It is so good to see all y'all tonight. <clears throat> and uh, thank y'all for being here. Thank y'all for masking up. Thank y'all for sweating with us and being hot with us. And uh, yeah, so I plan on sweating a lot tonight. Mostly in solidarity with Adam and his sweaty sermon last week. And if you're at home and you want to join in, just turn off your thermostat. And uh, you'll feel right here with us. But we are continuing our lessons in the Songs of Ascent. These are songs, as we've heard before, of God's people. And they are traveling to God's city. And so they are traveling literally up to the city. But also most of these songs are songs of encouragement. So um, if you would, go ahead and flip to Psalm 126 or swipe to Psalm 126. And this is tonight's psalm. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. It was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap the songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this song. Thank you for the people that experienced this song. Lord, help us learn a little bit about them, learn a little bit about us. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to hold this because I don't think that stand likes me. So... Uh, tonight we're going to uh, we're going to look at this psalm and how it, it talks about joy and talks about sorrow and how those two can cohabitate lots of times and they can really intertwine and that doesn't really seem natural uh, but it happens and it works. Uh, the psalm is it means a great deal to the people that sing it. And I think that there are lessons here that we can apply to our day-to-day lives. Um, So we're going to talk about four steps as well that I think we can take from this and uh, and really embody what they're singing about. First, to better understand these verses and what they mean for us, we're going to talk about what they meant for the people of Israel. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. We were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Uh, I love the word fortunes. Um, whenever I think of fortunes, I, I think of Goonies, to be honest, when they're hunting for the treasure, and they don't call it treasure, they don't call it fortunes, they call it rich stuff. And I just love that description 
Because it's like, these, thank you, Kelly. These are the things, these rich stuff, these are the things that the other people have in the town. The people that aren't losing their homes. These are the things that are sprinkled in their life that keeps them protected. And for us, we don't have that, so they have to go out and find it. I love that word. Also, I love the fact that this word has multiple meanings, but they're not, it's not something where you would use it this way one time and use it this way another. The word has meanings that are simultaneously taking part. Some of your Bibles will say fortunes. Others will say captives. And those words don't seem related, right? It's like, how are fortunes and captives the same thing? And I think it's very telling about how God views people, how God views, viewed his people, how God views us. Because captives are people that had everything taken from them, right? They were taken. Their lives ruined. And yet God still sees them as just the most valuable, precious things. So it's very telling of the character of our God. Zion is both an actual place and a metaphor. It's talking about their home, a safe place where they belong. So if we re reword that first bit, it might sound a little more something like this. Remember when the Lord freed our brothers and sisters and brought them home. It was a dream come true. We were so filled with joy that we could not hold back the singing and laughing and dancing. I throw in dancing because I'm a terrible singer, but I can kind of dance a little bit. So, It's important for later that we make sure and note here that the beginning of the song, they aren't singing about the present moment, right? They're remembering what's happened to their people in the past. They are remembering something that's already taken, a pl taken place. Another thing not to forget is that this is a traveling song. Uh, they're not singing about having already arrived in the city. They are singing having coming out and on the way. And kind of like, if you're familiar with Wizard of Oz, Dorothy and her friends, when she comes out of the woods after having gone through everything, and they finally can see the Emerald City in the distance. And they're just like blown away, right? They just went through all this stuff, and yet they're still welling up with joy. And she says, she's just like, wow, what a, full, what a wonderful wizard he must be to live in a city like that. And uh, their trials aren't over, but that's kind of where they're at. That's kind of where these people are at, is just this welling up of joy. To understand the joy, I think that we have to put it in context to the suffering. We constantly try to avoid pain the things that hurt us. But often our greatest moments of joy come when we break through that pain, right? Just on the other side of it. 
Um, <clears throat> joy which comes from the grace of God is always most clearly seen when juxtaposed against trials and suffering. So what was their suffering? The specific people that they were talking about were the captives of Babylon, right? The people of Israel have been captive several times, but this specifically, they're talking about the people that came out of Babylon. These people, so like all people, not everybody in a community is bad. Not everybody is good. There's a lot of gray, but Babylonians were notorious. Their captives were their property. They ceased to be people in their eyes. And because they ceased to be people, they were okay doing anything they needed or wanted to do. It's like when, if, if you own a thing like a car, and you take the motor from the car, you didn't do anything wrong. That's your car, right? That's how they treated people, though. And when you take things from people, it doesn't work the same. They're not cars. They're not things. So these people took from them. They took everything. They took them physically. They took them emotionally. They, they put them to hard labor. Babylonians, many of them practiced cannibalism. So you had all these things happening that were really horrific. And at the end of it, finally when they're freed, then they go on this long journey through the desert. So I think that can give us some understanding of when they finally see Jerusalem with their eyes. Most of these people probably have not seen it before. How much do you think they were just like, just hit with emotion? Like that would have been incredible, incredible. <clears throat> Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. So we all know the prayer Jesus gave us, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is hallowing. This is what hallowed means. They are lifting up the name. These people are reflecting what God has done for them. God has done great things. They are reflecting it. People are seeing it and people are lifting the name of God up because of it. And then the, uh, the psalmist pivots here, right? There is a really interesting fourth wall break because he goes from describing these people and what they're doing to turning to the singers and says... The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Isn't that a, like a cool switch? Like, like reading, I think when you read through really fast, you, you miss that. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. So the first thing, the first thing we see out of this psalm, the first step that they are taking singing is remembering the past, remember where they're from, remembering the things God did. 
The second thing they're going to do here is ask. So they went from singing about the past to like looking at them, then looking at us, and now they're going to turn and look to God. And they say, Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. So they're petitioning to God. They're saying, you've done something great. It was incredible. We know you can do it. Please do it now. And I feel like most of us in here can very much relate to that right now. In one way or another, Lord, we've seen you do great things. We know you can. We ask that you will. Right? That's a prayer we pray a lot. restore our fortunes, Lord, like the streams in the Negev. So we're going to come back to that portion in just a bit. So they look to the past, look to the present, and then look to God. They remember, they ask, and now they're going to look forward to the future. So another pivot again. It's interesting how many different things they look at in a very short song. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Tolkien, J.R.R. Tolkien in Fellowship of the Ring said, the world is indeed full of dark peril. And in it, There are many dark places, but still, there is much that is fair. And though in all lands love is now mingled with grief, it grows, perhaps the greater. Love is now mingled with grief. I love that line. It reminds me so much, and this is such a small thing, such a small moment, not serious at all. But it reminds me so much of when I'm watching, like, really intense dramas with Rebecca. Like, you get to this point in a movie or a show where the protagonist has to sacrifice something, right? And they give up, whether whether it's something important to them, whether it's their life, whatever. They give it up for someone else, to lift someone else up. And when that happens, I always look over to her and she looks at me with this huge frown, tears running down her eyes, snot running out of her nose, and she says, that was so good. (laughs) I love it, it's the best, it's the best thing. But it's so funny because like anybody else who like, Volume, mute it. She's mute it. Look at her. She's like, oh my gosh, what is wrong? She is distraught. Because like this thing happened that was super emotional, but also it was in love. So you have this mingling of sorrow and joy. One of the most interesting and remarkable things Christians learn is that laughter does not exclude weeping. Christian joy is not an escape from sorrow. Pain and sorrow still come, but they are unable to drive out the happiness of the redeemed. That's from Eugene Peterson. 
in life, sorrow and joy overlap so many times. So many times. Peterson goes on to say, joy is not a requirement of Christian discipleship. It's a consequence of it. It is not what we have to do. It's not what we have to acquire in order to experience life with Christ. It is what comes to us when we are walking in the way of faith and obedience. So what's the petition from the psalmist? Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. The Negev is a giant desert. There's just nothing there, right? It's barren. And he's saying, Lord, we need you to bring rivers to the desert right now. We need you to bring your blessing. Just like Zion, the Negev is both an actual place and a metaphor. It's a metaphor that we can find ourselves in. Places where, uh, you know, just like the pandemic, places where we are physically sick, emotionally sick, mentally or relationally sick. Your temporary situation in this temporary pandemic, in this temporary world, is constantly trying to train you to live into the death that we are living in. It will try to rob you of hope, of joy, and of relationships. It will make you feel like you are dying while you're still living. So many times we, we, we feel like we are the desert, even if we're believers. Like before belief, it's easy, right, to feel like a desert. But even when you have belief and have faith, we still get to those moments where we feel like we're, we're barren, Lord, and we need your blessing. So the petition is, Lord, bring rivers to these people. The thing about the Negev is all throughout the Negev, you will see land carved out. It's a desert, but there are ditches everywhere. These ditches are evidence of water from the past. They are little images that water flowed through here. There are ways that people can look back at past restoration. And what that does is it gives them hope that water's gonna come back, right? Because even though it's a desert, they still make it rain once or twice a year. And the thing is, when the rain comes, what happens? In the Negev, flowers start to bloom. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, to look out at a desert, I hate deserts, y'all. Like, I do not want to go to the desert ever. I like deserts in movies, that's cool. I don't even want to drive through Arizona. I do not like deserts. Because I'm like, it's just too hot. I'm going to die. Because you look, and there's like nothing, right? There's no life. But when the rain came, there was flowers. And what the flowers mean is there was life that you couldn't see. There were seeds in there waiting for the water. You know, so much of my life has been blessed by other people putting seeds into me blessing me 
telling me that God loves me. And when God brings the water, those are the flowers that come up. Those are the things that I remember. Those are the first things that come from the desert. So what kind of ditches have these people seen? What are the, the telltale signs that there was a past blessing for these people? They're singing about one of them, right? Being slaves to Babylon, then being freed. These people were slaves to Egypt, and then they were restored. They were slaves to idols, and then they were restored. They were slaves to the law, and then they were restored. After this, we find out that everybody is slaves to sin and death, and then the world is restored. We still see people slave to sickness, to hunger, to addiction, to abuse, to mental and emotional darkness, to loneliness, to poverty, and we still, people, still see people being restored all the time. Like, I can just see faces in my mind of people that have been restored by the Lord. These ditches should be fueling our hope. When we think about the people in this community and how the Lord has blessed them, when we look at each other's faces and we remember the things we've been through together, that is what fuels our faith. I love coming here every week. I love Adam's preaching. I think he is one of the most gifted preachers I've ever heard. But what, I most, what I'm most excited about is seeing each other's face. Because it's there that I remember what we've been through. And I see the love of God. And that gives me faith and hope for the future. <clears throat> My wife is another ditch. That sounds terrible. <laughs> Cut that out live stream. Just whoop. It's another place where I've, I can see that blessing has been there. When I serve with my friends, you guys, that's another place that I see a ditch. The moments of faith that I see from the youth, man, that's a big old ditch. Guys, that, is, that just pumps me up and fills and restores my faith. But why? Hope isn't where we stop, right? Hope for the future isn't a stop sign. Hope for the future isn't where this song stops. It isn't where our song stops. One thing we got to remember is this song is communal. We take these verses and we often apply it to just ourselves. We try to be the best individual believer we can be, but then we forget how much that scripture is communal, that our faith is communal. It does not work without community. It doesn't, and it's not meant to. We're not made to do this alone. It's the ever-wise Myra Rose that says, when one of us shines, all of us shines. There's a lot of laws that passed this week in Texas. A lot of people are talking about 
one that not a lot of people are talking about, but I think really stuck with me when I was reading the scripture and thinking about it was this. In Texas, it is now illegal for a homeless person to make camp anywhere other than a government-regulated zone. Every homeless person overnight who wasn't in a government-regulated zone that they specify became a criminal. Because that's the thing homeless people really need, right? They need rap sheets, they need fines, they need stays in jail. The thing we have to remember is not everybody's in the same desert. A lot of us are struggling with this pandemic. A lot of us are struggling with depression. A lot of us struggle with family things, work things. But the person next to us has their own struggles, right? What we need to do is reflect on our past joys. Look forward to our future joys so that we can take that and sow it into them. This song, I love it so much because it's active. It starts off this passive reflection and it ends up as this active thing where everybody's involved. Next section says, those who sow with tears will reap the songs of joy. Why will we sing? Because we see so many other captives. We're going to see so many other captives return home. That's why we sing. It's going to happen. We've seen it happen. It's going to happen again. When we start getting into this sewing metaphor, I immediately think of John 12, when Jesus says, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it, but those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. By sowing and stepping forward and doing the work that the Lord has for us, we are taking the joy that we've remembered, the joy that we expect, the joy from the past, and we borrow from the joy of the future And even in the midst of our sorrow, even when we're sad, even when we're run down, we take that and we plant it in others. By bringing the seeds to the ditches, we are expressing our faith in God. We are expressing our faith that he is going to bring rivers and restoration back to the desert. 
So our four steps are to remember, to ask, to look forward, and then to step forward. This song of love and joy ends with us partnering with God to bring it about, to bring that river about, to bring that grace about. Those who sow with tears will reap in songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Sheaves, just, that just means a lot. Mucho, mucho joy, our friend Danny Rojas would say. Jesus calls us to sow seeds, to hand over our lives and go out and plant. But so many times we say, Jesus, our hands are empty. Jesus, all I have is empty pockets. Lord, all I have is pain. All I have is brokenness. And when I say this, I'm not saying we need to burn ourselves out. I'm not saying we need to do unhealthy things. But what I am saying is God can use your emptiness to sow seeds of joy in others. In fact, I believe God more greatly uses our emptiness because it's then that we realize God is so much more great. And this isn't up to me. And I didn't make this happen, but he did. So yes, you're in pain, but the joy and the sorrow overlap. We have to figure out what it is that's keeping us from stepping forward and sowing seeds. We have to look at all the restoration you have seen in your life. Just think about it. Think of the great things you've seen the Lord do. Remember, don't forget about it. We go day to day, we don't think about it, and then we wonder why we feel terrible. We wonder why we feel like we failed for some reason. First, you didn't fail God. If you did nothing productive today, you didn't fail God. I promise you. But even with nothing, he desires for you to step forward, to partake, to participate in his community and go out and sow seeds. Remember, ask, look forward, step forward. What is it? Why don't you take a moment and just think. What is it you think right now would get in your way of these things? Maybe you're not at a place where you want to remember Maybe you're angry or you're just going through something and you don't want to think about it. Don't do that alone, please. Like, get with someone tonight, grab a friend, just get it off your chest. If you're at home, text or call someone, get it off your chest. Get to a place to where you can go to number two and ask Lord, petition the Lord. When I was in a terrible way, I didn't want to ask the Lord for anything for myself.
but a good first step was asking for someone else because it's easier sometimes to care for other people than yourself, right? It's easier to put someone else first sometimes, not all the time. But if you're having trouble asking and petitioning for something in your life, petition for someone else because they need it. And then ask someone to petition on your behalf. Call a friend and tell them to pray for you. Text them. Rebecca would be angry if you told her to call someone. Don't tell her to call someone. She only texts. Text someone and tell them you need them to pray for you. And then start to look forward. Expect great things from God. When you see those ditches, when you see the things, when you remember the things he did, know that he can do them again. And that will allow you to start to step forward. In just a minute, we're going to pray and we're going to have communion. But if things popped in your head just then and you really want to talk with somebody, just stick around and let's talk and let's pray. I would love, I don't care if it's me or someone else, but everybody here would love. And you know what? Ask people too. Don't just wait for people to walk up to you. Ask them what's going on. Call people, text people, and ask them. Call Adam, call Kelly, call Toby, call Bud. Because each one of us needs prayer as well. We need to be checked on. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this song. Lord, I pray, Lord, I pray just for a welcomeness of your spirit. I pray that we all just be open to seeing where your blessing has been, that we are open to hoping It's so hard to hope sometimes. Lord, help us. Help us be ready to hope. To look forward to your blessing again. And Lord, prepare us to step forward. Lord, help us to step forward. And sow seeds in other. Sow seeds in everyone we come across. Father, you will use that even if we never see it. You will bring water to those people and they will bloom and someone will see it. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord of love and light shine through our darkness and bring us hope. May God open our hearts for the journey, our eyes for the light, our spirits for the peace which only Christ can bring. May the Lord of love and light wipe away the tears that we have sown and fill our mouths with laughter and our speech with shouts of joy. For even in times of struggle, we indeed have reasons to sing. As we go now to face another week, may this be said of us when we see each other again. The Lord has done great things for them. Go in peace.